listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast. Hosted by Eric Bassett and Jake Klaus. Each week, they'll discuss ways to scale and grow your pest control company with a goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. We're not focused on any one thing. We're just doing all this stuff. Which revenue sound look the revenue was big, it looked really cool, but it's a logistical nightmare. Like our cogs were out of whack, like barely breaking like eight percent profit. Like I'm just being real. Like it's just what those services offer, you know? And what I've learned, you know, with the last twelve years is just ultra focus on one thing. Get that thing to again where you're really good at it. It's the scale and then start adding layers. So if you try to do it all at once, it just it doesn't ever work out. Welcome to the Bug Bucks Podcast, a podcast designed to help you become a bug money millionaire. Today's episode is brought to you by Bug Bucks Plus, the number one course designed to help you start and grow your pest control company. I'm your host, Eric Bassett, and of course, got my co-host, Jake Klaus, with me. How's it going over there, dude? Good. How's it going over there in, in Boise? It's good, man. Getting to the point now where like, there's no snow, and it's like 40s and 50s during the day. It's it's like on the spring incline. I'm good. The hope is there. I just, I'm not a, you know me, I'm not a winter fan. So Yeah, no. Who is really, actually? <laughs> I wonder if our guest that we're interviewing today is a winter fan. I guess we're going to, I guess we'll find out. That's the first question that we're going to ask him when we bring him on. Yep. That's, yeah, that, that, that's what we're going to dive that's into. That's the first question. Season preferences. Yeah. It's going to be perfect. So, of course, we do have an awesome guest and uh, before we bring them on, just want to remind everybody listening, the best way to receive new episodes is by subscribing to our show on your preferred podcast platform like Apple, Google, Audible, or Spotify. If you love the show, please leave us a rating and a review. One last reminder, if you haven't joined our Facebook group, go to Bug Bucks. That is B-U-G-B-U-X. We've got over 3,900 other pest control owners in that group waiting to connect with you and share their thoughts. It's also the best way for you to share your feedback on our show and have your questions highlighted and discussed here on the podcast. So make sure you find us on Facebook and join the group. Back to this special guest that we've got going on. I've been on his podcast before. He is awesome. He's the CEO of Pest Badger, and he's also the host of Pest Control Millionaire Podcast, which is what I was on as a guest before. So seasoned veteran that we've got on the show. An awesome dude. Jonas, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, dude. We've been trying to set this up for, for a little while now. Yeah, we have. We're both busy. And uh, yeah, we were talking about that pre-record, right? It's kind of our schedules and how wild things have been. But it's awesome, man. You know, it's, it's great to be able to bring you in and pick your brain a little bit and share some of the stuff that you've been able to glean from your experience with our listeners, which would be great. I love it. I think I'm going to so. answer your question first quick, though. That's the way. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, another question. I got to know. <laughs> We're in yeah. Michigan, Wisconsin, and we get a lot of snow and a lot of cold. With that being said, this year was pretty mild. We've gotten one or two snowstorms only, and there's no snow on the ground. It's been warm the last two weeks, which is like 40s. And then it's going to be cold this week Ooh, and next week. And then it, cozy. Bumps, then it bumps back up in the 40s in two weeks in March 1st. So to answer your question, I do not like the cold. I do not like the snow. <laughs> and the, my favorite time of the year for most people in our profession is spring because it just goes wild. The office goes wild. You can feel the buzz. The energy is so much different. And that's the favorite time for me of the year. I agree with you. And you said you live in the upper Michigan's upper peninsula? I do. Yeah. Way north. We're almost... Near Canada, eh? 
A. Oh, you said A like a Canadian. That actually sounded natural rolling off your tongue. Oh, that's there. pretty good. That's pretty natural. But yeah, way up here in Michigan. Winters are usually pretty harsh, I would guess, right? In upper upper peninsula. So we typically will average between 50 and 60 inches of snow. We're in a weird thing called the banana belt. So if you go 20 minutes north of here, they'll get 100 inches of snow a year. We're just in a weird spot. We're in the lake. Wow. What? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. We get a lot Ooh, of snow. Is that because of the... The Great Lakes? Yeah, or? so like right up my front door is Lake Michigan. Then you go a little bit further south and you hit Lake Superior. And then that's where all the lake effect snow comes from. Yikes. So is the seasonality in your market like really extreme? It like is. What, are you guys still doing services during yeah. kind of Q4, beginning of Q1? Yeah, we are. But when you get 100 inches of snow on the ground, it tends to change things up a bit and how you have to service the property. And a lot of people... We'll push their quarter four off to season one. So what we did to help with that is we raised our prices and did more triannual. So we get the same amount of revenue per, or more revenue per service, same revenue per year, but we're not doing that for service. So we've, we've kind of combated that a little bit for that reason. Yeah. Nice dude. Okay. And I'm, I got to make sure I make a note for that because we're going to come back to. Yeah. I want to hear more about for that. Sure. For sure. Emphasizing profitability because yeah, that's going to be a good one. Before we dive into it, I want the listeners to get a feel for you, your background, your history. Give us the synopsis. How'd you find yourself in the pest control industry? What are you, what are you working on now? Oh, I love it. So this would be a new audience for me. I come from the world of lawn care, believe it or not. I was a lawn care guy for the last 13 years. And how I got into it, like most everyone else, I was 12 years old, making my dad pay me to mow his lawn, making me pay me to wash his truck. In true story, I was out there mowing the lawn one day, and a pest control truck drove by. I just kind of watching what they were doing. They went and stopped at my neighbor's house, which happened to be my aunt and uncle. Watched from afar, went around the house real quick, and they left. And I was like, oh, it looks whatever, pretty cool. And so I got done mowing the lawn, and I went to ask my dad to get paid. He gave me like 25 bucks or something, 30 bucks maybe. And I went over to go talk to my aunt and uncle, but when I went to go knock on their door, maybe I didn't knock on the door, I just walked in. But the, they had the slip on the door. Of course, I was nosy and kid opened it up and it's like 130 bucks and I couldn't believe it. And I was like, dang, like I just spent the last two hours mowing this lawn for 25 bucks and they were here for 10 minutes, got 130 bucks or whatever it was. So that was sort of the first time that I ever remember pest control in my life. And I told myself that day, I wanted to do that someday. Fast forward a little bit further than that. You know, I got into lawn care right after uh, I tried in high school. Tried and failed the first time I went through. I was like 18. Had like a business partner, but we didn't really do anything. And then I got into the carpenters union and I was, had a decent job. I was making like 28 bucks an hour at the time, full benefits. But I was on the road a lot, four days a week. So I'd work Monday through Thursday, but I'd be done at Thursday at noon. So I worked there for about a year and a half, two years maybe. And then I finally started saving up some money. And I went and bought my first lawnmower, like real lawnmower that I could afford. And it just so happened that my wife at the time got pregnant. We had a baby. So that year I decided I'm just going to go on this lawn care thing. I actually think that I worked both those jobs, full-time slash part-time, for two years straight. So I'd go work Monday through Thursday. I'd come home and work Thursday through Sunday on the weekends just hustling, trying to get lawns. One of my good friends was getting out of the industry at the time. And he was like, hey, I got this property. You want to come look at it with me? And I was like, Sure. So it was a commercial property, and then all of a sudden, I was doing an estimate for them, and then I got their two houses as well to mow their lawns, and that was my first real client ever. I sold that company in 2021, and they were still a customer. 
which is super cool. That was a pretty good story. From there, it slowly transitioned, though. I got into the more of the fertilization weed control side. I seen these trucks running around pulling hoses and doing all this cool stuff. And I was like, wow, that would be pretty cool to do. I'm already doing lawn care, so let's see what that's about. So I got to know those owners, and they're, say, my first mentor, right, at the time. I was really young, 26, 25, somewhere in there. So I went and worked with them for three years. In the summer, not full-time. I'd just go after work, after weekends. I'd go pull hose from them. I didn't get paid, and I just hung out with them uh, just to learn the industry. And I would help them clean trucks. I'd help them fill up trucks. I would help them pull hose, whatever they needed to do, just so I could learn. They actually sold the business. And I was obviously first in line for that. And I didn't have a lot of money at the time. I think I had like $16,000 saved. And I wanted to put down the company. They were willing to finance some. Went into the bank. The SBA approved me. It was like 495000 And two weeks before closing, they called and said, Jonas, there's a problem. I said, okay, what's the problem? Walked in there. And the guy said, we just feel that you're too young and there's too much at risk. We want you to put your dad's farm up for a collateral. No chance. So I walked away from the deal. And I said, as long as they're owners, I'll never be a competitor. But I'll tell you what, as soon as they sell, I'm coming after you. Explicit word there. And I did. So I applied for my own license through the state. They took my three years of experience that I had working with them part-time as time on the job. And they approved my license right then and there. That's where I got into the fertilization weed control side. Started building up that part of the company. Ended up being like the biggest part of our company after five or six years. And slowly, obviously, I morphed into like pest control, right? So we were doing that for three or four years. And then you're already licensed and in this category. It's just like the evolution of the business. So that's kind of how the transition happened. And then uh, that catches us up to almost 2020. So COVID hits. We just came off a long winter. We were doing snow removal at the time. You know, I probably close to a million dollars worth of equipment. Big Walmarts, shopping centers, lived that whole life for 12 years too. Just coming off a, a long winter and wasn't much snow. We had some contracts where, like I said, we're in a weird spot where we don't get a ton of snow, but we get enough snow. So a lot, not a lot of people want to do contracts around here, but we had some of the bigger accounts that would. And so the contracts is what got us through. And then March 16th, my daughter's birthday, and we we're supposed to go to Green Bay, actually, to a hotel this night for her birthday and that's when right when COVID hit and I said hey we can't have you come down here like we don't know what's going on with this whole thing and in Michigan we literally got shut down like nothing we couldn't do anything we couldn't even go out to get gas into the lake by yourself it was just a strange place to be in it's like Washington yeah it was difficult so I didn't really have much of a choice so uh, we didn't know PPP then we didn't know any of that stuff was coming like we're already losing we already lost money through the winter now it's going to be our springtime, and now we can't go work, so what do you do? Well, me being the person that I am, I'm not one to wait around. I'm not one to just, you know, like, see, wait and see what happens. I decided that Wisconsin's border was 45 minutes from me, and Green Bay was the next closest town. So I literally started driving there every single morning about 4 o'clock in the morning, and I taught myself how to start knocking doors. Go back through this. Like, there's no contracts in place. I have no clue what I'm doing. Like, I'm doing all one times. Like, I'm trying to sell whatever I can sell the door, whether it's lot fertilizing or pest control, whatever, it didn't matter. And what I found out was like, oh, man, I'm pretty good success with this whole pest control thing. I know how to service. I was already licensed. You know, I, I think I paid reciprocity to get my license on Wisconsin because they work together. And I was selling a bunch of one-times for like 150 bucks. I didn't know any better. This is where I was at. And so I'm just slinging one-times, like left and right. And that was from like, I would say, I didn't start until like May 
And then June, July, August, at the end of like July, I had like 450 accounts. So I was slinging deals. But again, none of them are on contract. None of they're all one time, but I'm making money and that's all that mattered. You're basing this all off of the invoice that you saw on your yeah, on your door when you were 12, right? And you're like, oh, 130 bucks? In YouTube University, I think I found Sam Tagger back in the day, like just watching his videos, just trying to figure out what to do. Like I had no idea. That was 2020. And then 2021 rolls around and I have two businesses going at the same time. One's been in business for 12 years. The other one's pretty new. But I just saw the scalability of what we were doing on in it in the green Bay market. And I was like, man, I was like, there's really something to this. And I knew I was always really good at being a CEO and entrepreneur, but I was stuck in like a weird market of like, I just didn't have a lot of people to service. And even green Bay is still not very big, but come from a town of 14,000 people is massive. So when I got down there, I was like, man, okay, now I see what's holding me back. It wasn't so much what's wrong with me. It's like my market was just bad. And the services that I was trying to offer were just the wrong ones. I'm not saying they're the wrong ones for everyone in every market, but my market, it was just, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. And I saw the scalability of the pest control thing. And at the end of 2021, like I got three other guys to knock doors with me. I wouldn't actually out to service those jobs. Me and another guy, I took a guy from my old company, brought him down there. He was my operations manager. He started servicing with me. We got a team of like three or four that year. And that was our second like for a year and a half, basically a business. We already hit over a million dollars in revenue. I'm like, man, this is awesome. So the end of 2021, I had to just take a look at the businesses and say, hey, what do I want to do here? My heart's not in that one anymore. And I don't see myself wanting to keep that. So I ended up selling it at the end of 2021. But I kept the fertilization weed control side and I kept the pest control side here in this market. And I sold off maintenance, mowing, landscaping, and soil removal. So I sold all that and I went all in on this thing. And now it's 2024, so we're technically in our third full year and uh yeah things are good now we have uh we have six offices now and by may 1st we'll have 10 so it's been a fast three years uh i got extremely lucky by the grace of god i think someone else is watching over me or everyone here's gonna call it my first three door knockers ever they had ne- only one had knocked doors before they one kid i recruited for a year and a half or six months all three of them were golden door guys, like right out of the gate. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I got super lucky. And then it's just been got more speed since, since that day. So that's kind of like the journey through. You have so much experience in all these different aspects. You know, we hear all the time in the Facebook group and, and other places, pest control guys that are thinking about getting into other types of businesses, right? You know, and I've, I've talked to people down in Florida where you kind of have to do lawn and pest together, like it's just assumed as much. Is that similar up where you are? Is it kind of like lawn and pest go together or was it no. not so standard? No, no. So they're all separate here. All lawn care guys are lawn care guys and the pest control are pest control guys. I'm an operations guy. Like that's all I'd known for the first 10 years, but I, was, I hated operations. Like with the passion. I love marketing. I love uh, sales. That's just like my gig. And, but I had to learn operations. So we had already had like the operations down. We were already good on the fertilization weed control side because that came from my background. Then I figured out the pest control side and they just kind of worked really, really good together. So now that's what we do is we do pest control, fertilization weed control and mosquito. That's about all we do. So for the guys who are out there and they're operating and they're thinking, you know, I would love to add lawn turf fertilization, that type of 
of offering, what kind of advice would you give them? Let's say that they've they've kind of got their operation from a pest control standpoint, mostly squared away. And I'll put that in quotes because there's always things you can improve on, right? What would you tell them? When you go on a subject, go deep on the subject and learn everything you can about that one subject first. It's good if you can go find out there, you know, to know how big your business is. You can go find an operator, go find a technician that's done it. You can go to a supply store. They can write you a program for your market that's comparable to what everyone else is doing. I'd start there. And what's nice is that, you know, a lot of these pest control companies, they can do, you know, bundle packages. So like you can bundle with Mosquito. It's super awesome because it's another side you can bundle up with your fertilization weed control side. So what you're saying is the best way in your mind to do it is start with one thing that you're really, really good at. Get that thing dialed in as your solid foundation and then add things on top of that. Couldn't agree more. So going back to like my past life, right? We were doing all kinds of services. We were doing mowing, doing landscaping, doing fertilization, doing pest control, doing soil removal. And so like we're not focused on any one thing. We're just doing all this stuff, which revenue sound, look, the revenue was big. It looked really cool, but it's a logistical nightmare. Like our cogs were out of whack, like barely breaking like 8% profit. Like I'm just being real. Like it's just what those services offered, you know? And what I've learned you know, with the last 12 years, just ultra focus on one thing. Get that thing to, again, where you're really good at it. It's to scale and then start adding layers. So if you try to do it all at once, it just it doesn't ever work out. And you're going to be bad at two things, you know, or good at two things to being great at one thing. Yeah, it's it's nice that you put it in such a format that's that's easy to understand. You know, because there's, as soon as you kind of transition from the world of pest control into the world of, you know, lawn, turf, fertilization, all this other stuff, I mean, there's a lot to be had out there, right? And and Jake and I have talked about opportunities with, with wildlife, and we've done Garden Guard, which was this whole environmental garden type service. And the way that you explain it, where you say, hey, you know, find something that you're doing that works, you know, be good at that thing, and then find something else, focus on that, Right single it out and do a deep dive into that thing to get enough information so that when you do add it to your service offering, you're good at exactly. it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You don't want to otherwise, if you start just, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and you don't want to just start adding all this stuff because it's cool and other people can do it. And so you can do it too. And then like you said, before you know it, you're, you're doing a bunch of things, you know, yeah. kind of below par exactly. and it's not working out well yeah, for anybody. For sure. That's exactly how I'd put it. Okay. I have a question. So you said your cogs were all out of whack. You know, you, you're, you're barely breaking 8%. What were, what were the big expenses that, that when you shaved it all down and you trimmed the fat and you, what were the things that you got rid of that blasted out your, your big expenses and brought your profit margin back up? There's a lot to impact there. So let's make it this easy. So like in lawn mowing, for example, you have an $80,000 setup. You have two to three people on a truck that's making 1000 to 1100 bucks a day. Uh, okay, yeah, right. That's obvious. Okay. okay. So then you have the landscaping yeah. side. The <laughs> landscaping side, there's always, you know, there's lots of materials involved, lots of labor involved. And even a good company is going to, you know, between 40 and 55% on the landscape side. So it's naturally just higher at, anyway. Or you get into like pest control. You know, really good companies would be mid 30s. You know, we, we're at low or high 20s, low 30s, mid 30s. When our revenue dips here in the winter, obviously we creep up to closer to, you know, 40, but just different services. So there's just a lot to it. Or you go send one truck, one guy out in a truck makes, you know, 15 to $1,800 a day. It's way different than two guys doing $1,100 a day. Oh, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Whereas your margins are, 
broader in pest control because you've got one guy and one truck and your ticket is higher and you don't have a $30,000 mower, exactly. whatever and they there's cost. there's nothing against lawn care by any means. Like if I was in a different market where I had four to 6,000 square foot lawns to use push mowers or use automated mowing, I'd love it. But the ge- geographic location that I'm in, average square foot of a, of a yard is 15,000 square feet. That means you got to have a, a 48 to a 52 inch mower that's going to cost you $12,000 and you have two of those on a truck. Like it, I did it for 12 years and I always just thought, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And it wasn't even that. It was like bad service, like not service level, but bad choice of service offering that I couldn't do year round where pest control was like, okay, what's that one service that I can do year round in my market? And that was pest control. It's like going to med school to become a veterinarian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I went through all of this and I'm and I'm looking down cats' throats. I don't know. What where did I go wrong? Yeah, right? But I mean, I learned so much through that first business too. Like I got a great mentor during that and we were doing like two hundred and fifty thousand in revenue. The next year and a half we were pushing two million. So like I learned a ton through that, how to scale companies, what I was doing wrong. I didn't know my numbers at the very beginning. Like I had to learn all this stuff. So without going through that whole thing and then, you know, selling the company. I learned a lot there. Without going through all that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today for sure. So I learned a ton. You know, it kind of reminds me of of uh, something that our business partner, so Jake's wife, Jenna, my sister and our business partner, you know, we go through every now and again, we'll think about adding a certain offering to our business or we'll look at an acquisition or we'll dive into something that we're not currently invested in. And we'll have multiple conversations, hours and hours and hours of conversations, weeks sometimes of these discussions. And we'll get to the end of it and we'll decide that the answer is no. We're like, nah, I don't I don't think so. We're going to pass, right? And it always feels kind of weird to invest that much time and effort into something. But as she said it before, sometimes the journey is about figuring out what you shouldn't be doing so that you are very confident about what you should be doing. Absolutely. And the hardest right? thing to do for us as entrepreneurs is say no. Yes. Like we love the 100%. shiny objects. We The revenue sounds great. The one-time revenue, whether you guys talk about like wildlife services, like one-time job that sounds like a fortune. It all sounds really good. It does. But just getting saying, hey, like that's just not our target demographic anymore. We know what we're trying to build here. And although it sounds really cool for us, it's just, we know now, like we're not going to go chase that revenue. Like we know what we're doing now. Yeah. Well, you guys have it dialed in and you confident in that because you've done it all. I mean, the list of stuff that I'm writing here, like under Jonas, I'm like, okay, what has he done? You know, all these other things, like there was snow removal was in there, you know? And I want to circle back to a change that you made based on kind of your operational mindset. So up in Michigan, you've got these winners that make it difficult for the customer paradigm to want to have pest control treatments while there's snow on the ground, right? We suffer from that a little bit in our market too. And you guys made a change where you switched to kind of some triannual treatments with the very specific part of that being an increase in price, which allowed you guys to maintain profitability. In fact, I mean, you you maintain revenue and you did less services, which I'm no genius here, but that sounds like better profits to me. For sure. And that's just the battle that we were fighting. Like, we just, we saw the first winner doing pest control. Like no one wanted pest control. It didn't matter how much we sold it and how much education we taught the customers. Like, yeah, not happening. Like it's negative 30 degrees and they just don't care. And there's, there's literally snow up to their windows. Like, what are you going to go do? Do 
You can do the interior treatment. Sure, cool. Do the basement. Find Dandy. Do the garage. It didn't matter. It was just hard. It was a hard sell. Like, okay, so what is around this? Well, keep it easy. Let's just say the average contract value is $600. So let's say it was $129 or whatever per year. Okay, we're going to take those same people, send them in a triannual, still going to be $200 a service and go out three times a year. So now we're still generating the same amount of revenue per customer, doing one less service, and we can still keep our people busy in the winter. The revenue's there. And the added, added benefit there is the logistics are easier too, right? That's it's going from four services to three services. We're talking about a 25% reduction in time, technicians on the road, technicians in trucks, gas. I mean, you know, it's, it's checking all these boxes, right? And I remember um, when me and Jake and Jana decided it was 2020 and we had a, um, a sales team that was coming up to sell for us and they were going to do subscription-based services. And, and we were switching to this monthly subscription-based billing. And we had to decide whether or not we were going to continue to do a 30-day follow-up on our quarterly treatment plan, this right? You know, the, right? The, the five services this. in the first year. Yep. We talked about our service offering. We made sure that the service was 100% dialed in, right? Hey, if we're not going to have this 30-day follow-up, the initial service has to be 10 out of 10, right? And we started doing it. And to our pleasant surprise, right, it worked. And it's like, wait a second, you're telling me that I can I can reduce the amount of stops that I have on a technician's route per customer, but then through my billing efforts, I can increase the value or maintain revenue, which means that I've got better profitability. This sounds awesome, right? It, but it takes the the operational mindset where you look at a problem and you think, okay, to a lot of people, this might look like a challenge that is just, it's part of my market, comes with the territory, quote unquote, right? You take a peek at that and you think instead, mm, how can I turn this into an advantage for me? And you sound like you did that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, again, we've been through all the same things that you've been through, like 30, 45 day follow-up. Are we going to do that? We're we not going to do that. And if you're not billing subscription and you're billing per service, I think, and you're starting a new market, I think it's a great way to produce revenue. But as your market sustains and you want to be extremely profitable, I don't think that it's needed. Again, you need double the technicians because as soon as you hit that 30 days, like double the trucks, double the techs, back up, they're doing the same services. Or I mean, we built models in the past where like your contract included those and it just never worked out great. So it was either we'll go one way or the other and we did the same thing. We're like, okay, well, it's either going to be quarterly or it's going to be triannual, no different. And like you said, that first service has to be a 10 out of 10 from, from the office to the sales guy to the technician like it's got to be a 10 out of a 10 for sure. Cause they're not going to see you for another 30 days. Then how many times are you going to keep in touch with that customer through that 90 day stretch, right? What is the touch points like? Are we reaching out, seeing how the service was with, with our CSRs? Are we following up an email, text messages to keep them engaged? Are they buying into our culture? Are they seeing all the value that we bring them? Cause they're not going to see us for three months, you know? So I agree with you. So I got a question for you. You're doing triannual. That means that you're servicing most heavily spring, summer, fall. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, but we're not 100%. We still have a lot of quarterly stuff too. Um, but in, in this market specific, we are 90% trying in this market here. Oh, okay. How do you keep your techs busy or engaged or with you during that winter season? We're constantly, we want them to come in for training. We want them to you know, get more certifications. We want them to learn more. They want them to come in and clean the trucks. We want them to come and clean the shop. Yeah, we run out of stuff to do, but there's still our commercial jobs that got to go out and be done. So to fill their time, that's what we're doing. Just make sure they're okay. Yeah. So you focus on training, yep. development, exactly. and all that stuff. We'll send them to seminars, whatever we need to do, just to keep them keep them engaged, keep them focused, and ready for springtime. 
And a lot of times they'll come in and they'll work next. Uh, they'll, they'll sit down with like our um, our route specialist too, like and just they'll go over their routes for the what the year looks like. And if there's any like the technicians know way more than what we do in the office. They're in the trenches every single day, and they're like, "Well, this job was weird. It's right next to this one, but why wasn't tied to this one?" And software isn't always perfect, so they can come in and fix those little glitches too. So we've done that as well. And we, we'll have them go through equipment. Like, we'll have them go through our sprayers, clean the sprayers, our foggers. Like, we keep them busy. Listening to you talk about providing the technicians the opportunity to go through all their equipment and clean and organize all this stuff, it's so nice because, like Jake said, like sharpening the saw, that whole aspect is something that I think a lot of pest control companies don't do very often. It's, it's always go, 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 and then even at a time when things are slower, it's like, okay, you know, how do we, how do we maximize production instead of thinking, how do I maximize how effective my guys are by, you know, getting them additional certifications and having them go through training. We've, we've got a graveyard. Me and Jake were just talking about this the other day. There's a graveyard of flow zones. Sprayers. Dude, don't even get me started on a great, on a sprayer graveyard. Oh my gosh. You know, we, we just have all this stuff and it, it just piles up and piles up. And it's, it's kind of hard as a business owner to pull the trigger on paying a guy to go out and, and clean it up and make sure the shop looks nice. But I can tell you guys, like when I come into the office and my desk is just completely cluttered, right? Changes how I feel about- Or light a match. Yeah, right? Just let's, let's burn this thing down, claim the insurance and get out of here. And you know, if my workspace is clean, right? If the shop is clean, if the technician's trucks are clean and upkept, right? And the equipment is in good working order- Man, that's got to feel better for a technician. For us, right, as leaders, and as a technician, a hundred percent. Like, even if I go like get into a vehicle, like back in the day, and I would get like open up the truck and there'd be garbage everywhere, I literally shut the door and just not even go in there. Back to the culture thing. The culture is basically what us as leaders tolerate. It's all it is. So if we say if we hold our managers accountable, say, hey, I want this. Make sure this, this, and this is done. They breed that to the technicians. And they just know that every Friday they're going to have an inspection, right? Every Friday there's an inspection. Every Friday there's an inspection. Every Friday you get an hour or whatever it is that they do to clean out their trucks, go through equipment. Stuff that not me personally built in, but my director of operations built in because she know what I liked. And so now our trucks are always clean on the inside. And I always said this, no matter what time of the day, night, year, I should be able to go into my truck and go trade it in at any day that I want to without doing anything. I can see Eric's like little heart bubbles just bursting above his head. We're not perfect by any means, and there's always room for improvement. But my technicians have gotten so good at this because it's just built into our culture. Like the shop's going to be clean, like it's going to be organized. Our trucks are going to be clean, organized because that's what I want to show customers and the city that we live in. And just like that's our reputation, you know. The way I think about it too is like everybody has a bandwidth, right? Like you, you only have so much space on your bandwidth. And doing a job like this where you're thinking throughout the day, you're, you're applying your mind to your work, you only have so much space on your bandwidth. And if a portion of that bandwidth is taken up by thinking about the messiness around you or the clutter or just the distraction of having an untidy space, that uses up bandwidth. If you have, let's say, 100% of your bandwidth at the beginning of the day, 15 or 20% of that bandwidth is taken up by being distracted by the clutter around you, then it then it limits your bandwidth and you you carry that same level day in and day out, then ultimately leads to just a, a dysfunctional, well, not maybe not dysfunctional, but just not performing it at a peak level. 
And, you know, that's the kind of philosophy that, I mean, you take that bandwidth philosophy and you apply it to like literally any other aspect of your life. And all of a sudden you start to realize all the other areas of my life where there's something cluttering up my bandwidth, it's like walking around with weights on your ankles, you know, like you're just, you're not living your best life. I love your philosophy on keeping the space clean and keeping the saw sharp and keeping your guys sharp. I mean, that's, that's exemplary. That's really exemplary. Yeah. And it's like Steve Jobs, right? He had the same shirt, the same pants that he wore every single day because he didn't want to have to make that decision. Just one less decision he had to make. Eric and I actually, we wear black turtlenecks except for the podcast. That's the only time we think about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess the yep. three of us. Oh, look at you. Oh, you're, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Man, oh, yeah. see, we're on the same wavelength. I love I it. I think right? it has more to go oh, dude, with being on the podcast. And I know you guys are going to use it for video, so make sure you wear a black shirt. So that you guys can put wording over it and it won't get distorted by different. Oh, colors. there you go. Yeah, yeah. Ah, like see, it. Jonas thinking ahead. Like uh, he I didn't get the memo. Everything. Everybody's wearing a black shirt, but me today. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang. You guess you didn't get the memo. No, no. Yeah. So we are running crazy short on time, but Jonas, this has been awesome, dude. We are definitely going to have to have you back on. We were talking about some other stuff pre-record that I know is going to be exciting for you in the future. So I'm going to have you back. Talk to you about it. Just from my notes here, I'm going to leave on a Jonas quote that I wrote down, which is money in my mind. Culture isn't just about what we want to accomplish. It's about what we're willing to tolerate. Culture is about standards. Mic drop from Jonas. So you're famous, dude. I'm going to put this on my wall and I'm going to put Jonas. Quotatized. Quotatized. Hey, so right before we cut out, I got, listen, the next time we link up, I have a bunch of questions about AJ Dillon, Quadzilla. And how he bringing him on as like customer testimonial. We got to link back up. We got to bring you back on. I mean, I think we could do a whole 30 minute episode just on utilizing famous person in like a sports space on advertising. Like I said, marketing and strategizing is like my thing in sales. I love it. And that's just where I live. So we follow traction or like, I'm sure you guys read the book traction, but we follow it to a TEOS. I'm over the sales marketing because that's just my thing. I just love it. Operations. I love it. Okay, so next time, let's put a thumbtack in that and get you back. And I want to pick your brain about that. Cool, anytime. Yeah. That is going to happen. Awesome, guys. Hey, you guys have been killer. Jonas, thank you so much for all the information. And for everybody listening, of course, we appreciate the time that you guys are taking to listen in. If you have a coworker, manager, or an owner you feel could benefit from listening to this episode, and of course, we know that you guys do, The best way to say thank you to us is to share the episode with them. This episode is brought to you by Bug Bucks Plus, the number one course designed to help you start and grow your pest control company. If you haven't joined the Facebook group yet, go find and join the group. It's B-U-G-B-U-X. Lots of information and great connections in that group. Thanks again for listening in. And until next time, keep building those pest control companies. Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating. Thank you, and we'll catch you on next week's episode.